What a beautiful day outside, isn't it? Glory to God. Good to have you all here today. We are going to be over in Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs, the second chapter. He was a first-year college student who was going to take his final exam in meteorology. The exam was going to consist of one essay question only on some meteorological event, fact, something they would have to expound upon it. And so this person drew the question, why is the sky blue? So he took on the question and he began, he says, ah, a two-part question. Let me break this down into both parts and answer each question the best I can. He said, the first question, first part of the question is why? He said, why is a question that has plagued people for centuries? Philosophers, theologians, all kinds of folks have tried to solve this question of why. And no one has done it. And me, a mere freshman in college, would not even dare to think that I had the wisdom to answer such a great question. So I pass on this first part of the question, and I will endeavor to answer the second part. Is the sky blue? Yes. Yeah, sometimes we uh, can say a whole lot without saying anything at all. Certainly we have noticed that with a lot of people anymore. We can, uh, you listen to the news, and the news says a whole lot. But when you really break it down, they didn't say anything at all. You listen to politicians, they're always a big one to pick on. They can answer a question for 30 minutes. And when you get done, you said, they never answered the question. They didn't answer anything. A whole lot of words don't bring about the wisdom that we necessarily need in life. Most of Jesus' answers when people asked him questions were short. They weren't long. He answered them very short. Sometimes he explained the answer, but he generally answered it pretty short. You don't find that too much among politicians. Every once in a while, we stumble upon one who does. Remember Herman Cain? I remember. I, I loved his simplicity. Whenever he was asked a question, he would always come back, yes or no. Always. I, I hardly ever remember Herman Cain answering a question either uh, beside yes or no. And then he would explain it. But he would answer it. It's like, oh, man, this is neat. <laughs> Someone who actually did that then began to bring out the wisdom of why he believed or why he thought that particular thing. Wisdom of God does not have to be long. It does not have to be involved. It will be succinct. It will bring us to the point. It will help us with that. We gave you before the CAPE concept. What causes us to listen to counsel that proves itself to be foolish? There is the cost, there is the appeal, there is the pressure, and there is the effort. And sometimes because of these things, the cost, the appeal, the pressure, and the effort, what is actually wisdom will appear to us as foolishness. And what is foolishness will appear as wisdom. We saw that in two different cases. Last time we looked at Absalom. Or before we looked at Absalom, and then last time we looked at Rehoboam. And they both were given wise counsel. And both didn't recognize it. And they went with the foolish counsel instead. Now, we had an opportunity uh, not to, uh, just this week, uh, Christian and I have been endeavoring to go over to the uh, this uh, place where uh, it, it's a running club. They have a store and they, they so forth. And so uh, they announced uh, beforehand that they were going to bring in someone who was uh, going to help us out with some uh, 
running injuries or things that runners run into. And so they brought this woman out. And so after we, we got done, we did our group run together. We came on back, and then about 7.30, they, this person started on these things. And she was uh, expounding on this particular apparatus and how it would help out. And, you know, there are different sizes for this apparatus you can get. It's a pretty simple little thing to do. And I understood the concept before. It was a, anybody ever taken a muscle and worked a ball on it? Taken a ball and worked on that. Yeah, we've, you've, I've heard that from a few other people. Dr. Bruce is one who's, who's told us about that. Well, this one kind of took the ball concept a little bit further, and it did it for the whole body. And so she was showing us how to use this and how to do these particular things. And, well, that seems interesting, you know. And, all right, you know, I've never tried, I've never tried that one before. And so... Uh, afterwards, we went ahead and we got one of those things. We brought it on back, and I went down in the basement the next day after I ran, and I got myself on it and understood that um, it was painful. <laughs> it did hurt. I guess if you're doing it right, it's, gonna, it's supposed to hurt. So it did hurt, and so, but I got through it. I got, uh, got did, did all that. Yeah, yesterday, I was on it again. We went out, and I, I had a particular type of workout that I uh, was doing yesterday, and after I came on back, I got on that thing and I, I worked it a little bit more and found out I hurt. I think I hurt more from that than I did from the workout, from the from the run. I just kept feeling it all all the all the day long. Well, you see, this is is it wisdom? I don't know if it's wisdom just yet. You know, we're going to give it a little while here. And <laughs> but first off, I understand there is a cost involved. It's costing us a little bit to, to to do that. There is the appeal factor. There is no appeal to this machine. This machine has no appeal at all. I don't like it. <laughs> The the end result we can kind of like, but you know there's not a whole lot of appeal. There there's no pressure, there's no pressure at all to get on that thing. In fact, if anything, there's pressure. Don't go, don't go downstairs into because you have to you have a lot of room when you use this thing. Don't go down in the basement and do this thing. And effort, yeah, it does take some effort to do that. So it doesn't appeal to your flesh. Wisdom does not appeal to your flesh. It won't appeal to it, but foolishness will. And we can recognize wisdom. If we get a hold of wisdom, we recognize it. We've got to first off recognize that it's wisdom. And then secondly, we've got to do it. We've got to receive it. We've got to apply it. Rehoboam, he didn't recognize that wisdom was in front of him. That the older men that had served his father said, look, answer the people softly. And the younger men said, no, don't do that. You show yourself to be stronger. You show yourself to be tougher. And it didn't work out so well for him. Proverbs 4, verse 5 said, Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom and in all you're getting, get understanding. These are the most important things we need to get. We've told you before in your prayers, the number one thing you should be praying for is wisdom and understanding. It's going to be the thing that's going to help you out the most. But we sometimes get distracted because, you know, I need money, I need things, I need stuff. That appeals to your flesh. This appeals to your spirit. This is what you need. Psalms 111, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's just the beginning. We need to go further with it. Wisdom, we saw last week, calls out in the streets, but foolishness has a covert nature to it. A lot of times you hear people that are proponing foolishness are saying stuff like, don't tell anybody this. You know, the guy, you, how many of you have watched the movie? And, you know, the villain in the movie, he's uh, trying to get somebody to invest in his fraud. What's he do? I'm not letting everybody in on this. Don't tell everybody because there's not enough room for, if everybody hears about this, they're all going to want to get involved. I, I like you. 
right? That's, that's foolishness. If anything is going to be covert, understand it's, it's foolishness. Wisdom, the word of God tells us, cries out in the streets. It's not embarrassed. Chapter 2 of Proverbs, verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures. This is all a conditional statement. My son, if... Remember that from back in high school? Conditional statements. If then. If this happens, then this will happen. If you mix ammonia and chlorine, this will happen. That's not good. Don't do it. <laughs> it's, it's bad. <laughs> there's, there's certain things you don't want to do. If, if you do this and this, then this will happen. How many of y'all know when we, were, when we were growing up, parents gave us if-thens. If you go over to then, if-thens. If the conditions are met, then the results will happen. Well, in order for the conditions, in order for the results to happen, we have to do the conditions. So let's look at them. If you receive my words, we have to receive the words. I can't just hear them. We saw Rehoboam heard the right words, but he didn't receive them. Absalom heard the right words, but he didn't receive them. We've got to receive those words. If you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, not just outwardly. Some people treasure the commands of God outwardly, but they don't do it inwardly. Inwardly means you put honor to them. Inwardly means it changes your thoughts. Outwardly means it changes what people see. Inwardly means it changes who you are. If you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom. You need to incline your ear to wisdom. If you do not incline your ear to wisdom, what will your ear incline to? Foolishness. Most people incline their ear to foolishness. You don't have to go far to figure this out. Sit in a Walmart sometime and listen to people. Go up on the boardwalk, park yourself, and listen to the things that go on. Find a busy mall and sit and listen to what people say. And you will find that most people have inclined themselves to foolishness. The things that they argue about, the things that they're stuck on, the things that are major problems to them, They've gotten away from the word of God. They've inclined their ear to foolishness. If you incline your ear, though, to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. How many of y'all know there's a difference between learning a subject and applying yourself to understand it? Case in point would be spelling. How many did real well at spelling? My hand is not up. It did not do well at spelling. I did not apply myself to spelling. All I did to do was these 20 words are going to be the test. I studied those 20 words. I tried to get those 20 words down. I was feeling pretty good. If I got, you know, 12, 14 of them out of the 20, I was doing all right. Now we got spell checkers and stuff like that so we can get kind of lazy. Apply your heart to understanding. You need to apply yourself. I am going to understand. I'm not just going to know the facts. I am going to understand why this happens. Yes, if you cry out for the discernment 
If you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. You need to call for wisdom. You need to ask for it. Just because you want it, just because you need it, doesn't mean it happens. If you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver. How many of you sought after silver last week? Well, think about this. How many of you showed up at your job? May not pay you in silver bars, but they're paying you in money. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures. That's what we need to do. That's the if-then statement. If you do this, if you go after it, if you receive, if you treasure, if you incline, if you apply, if you call for, if you seek and search, ah, then, then, verse 5, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. You will not understand the fear of the Lord until then. A whole lot of people say they understand what the fear of the Lord is. A lot of people say they understand God. A lot of people say they have the knowledge of God, and they don't. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. How many of you would like to find the knowledge of God? If you could find the knowledge of God on anything, would there be anything more to be said on it? You would have it. That would be it. You'd need nothing more. If you had absolute knowledge in a particular area, could you turn that into some dollars and cents? Oh, yeah, you sure could. Absolutely. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. The Lord gives wisdom. He's got it. He will give it. And from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. Now, he stores this up. How many of you have a storage of things around your house? Who is it for? Usually it's uh, for you, right? Usually it's for stuff you need to use. It's stuff that you're going to to uh, uh, eventually use. Some, sometimes, you know, you think of a plan. And I was over delivering a bunk bed for somebody yesterday. They were uh, uh, pregnant with their fourth baby on their way. They had, uh, uh, she had uh, two C-sections before and she was planning on having her third. Now, if you're wondering how do you have three C-sections and the four babies, she had twins. First one, two twins, and then another one, and then this one over here. And she said, you know, after the third one, they had such a hard time with all of them, they decided that that was it. They weren't going to have any more. And so they made a decision and they gave away all their stuff. And then something happened. And the fourth one's on the way. Uh, she's doing a couple of weeks. But, you know, just because we, we get rid of the store, just because we have some things stored up doesn't mean that we're going to use them. And just because we got rid of, rid of the storehouse doesn't mean we didn't need it anymore. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. I'm, but I want you to look at this part. He stores up wisdom for the upright. Is God storing up wisdom because he needs it? God does not need any wisdom. So what he is storing up is for one purpose. It is to give it away. How many of you have stored things up for the purpose of giving them to your kids down the road, but you have no intention of ever using them again? But you've stored them up to give them to someone else. They're not going to benefit you. You're keeping them there. What are you looking for in order to release them? Need, opportunity, someone to ask, as soon as someone does some one of those things, 
you will release what you have stored up. Because what you have stored up is not for you. If what you have stored up could be used for you or for someone else, then it might something else might come into play. But it's not. If you've had all the babies you're going to have and you have baby stuff up in the attic, you don't want it there. But you're going to save it because maybe it might come in handy for someone else. And all we're doing is looking for someone that we can bless with those things. Someone that we can pass those things down to. Someone that we can give them to. Well, God has things in storage. It's, it's wisdom. He doesn't need it. But he has a storage house for wisdom. He's just waiting for people to ask for it so he can give it to them. That's what it's there for. So he's, he's giving you the conditions. If you do these things, I'm going to give it to you. He's got plenty of it. He wants to give it out. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He doesn't just give it to anybody. He gives it to the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He's not just going to throw it out to anyone. You may say, I need wisdom. God has wisdom. I'm a believer. Why doesn't God give it to me? Well, sometimes people are saying that, but they have not received the wisdom they've been given before. They don't treasure the commands that God has given them so far. They're not inclining their ear to wisdom or applying their heart to understanding. They're not necessarily crying out aloud for it. They're not seeking for it as silver. They're not searching for it as hidden treasure. But they say they want it. God says, no, you don't want it. Remember Jesus, he taught us, don't cast your pearls before. Now, it doesn't mean he's calling people swine who don't want the things. He's just saying, don't put pearls before swine. Don't put something valuable in front of someone who won't treat it as valuable. When your children are one and a half, two years old, how many of you will probably not give them your cell phone? Yeah, why not? They'll probably throw it across the room. They'll probably do things with it. That Maybe they'll make a phone call that you don't want to be made. Uh, all kinds of stuff can happen. So you won't necessarily do that. But if they get to be older and they say, Hey, Mom, Dad, can I borrow your cell phone for a minute? Well, you're probably more okay with that, right? Because it's not that your kids are ever swine. It's just that they don't know how to respect that thing. So you don't give them that which they can't respect. If they're five years old, you don't give them the keys to the car. First off, they can't drive it. And secondly, all they can do is bad things with those keys. Then it may be before, you know, you could run down to the hardware store and get a key made for $3. That's not the case anymore. You're looking at a pretty good investment. If you lose those keys, you've got to replace the, uh, what are they called, the FOB thing, the, the uh, little uh, little pod thing there. And then you've got to replace the smart key because it's not just a regular key. It's got a smart key. It's got a chip in it. And uh, it's uh, something like 60 bucks for the key and... I don't know how much, I think altogether, if, if you don't, if you go to the dealer, it could be $200. I had a price out at, a, I don't know if you know this or not, but Ace Hardware, well, I'm not trying to do a plug for Ace, I just went in there and asked them about it, and Ace Hardware, they have a sign up there, you know, we'll make these things for you, and so I got a price for it was, and it was less than what the dealer was. It was considerably less than what, it was still pricey, <laughs> it still costs the money. Don't lose your keys. Don't give them to kids that are going to treat them poor, poorly. Uh, just hang on to those things, because it's a whole lot better than it is to replace them. But you don't take something that that people can't appreciate and give it to them. They're not going to appreciate it. You know, don't give fine china to a college student to go away to school. That's not a good mix. They're not going to appreciate the fine china or use it in a way that it uh, was intended to be used. 
So God is saying, I can't give this wisdom to you until you get to a place where you will treat it respectfully. I can't cast pearls before swine. I can't put something valuable in the hands of someone who sees it as just like everything else. You've got to be able to distinguish this apart from everything else that you see. And then I have it. See, it's here. It's stored up. I'm waiting to give it. Get yourself in a position where you will reverence wisdom when it's given to you. He says he guards the path of justice and pre- preserves the way of his saints. He says, let's go back to verse 7. He stores up sound wisdom and for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. A shield. You got a good shield there. He guards the paths of justice. Not all paths, these particular ones. He preserves the way of his saints. Then you understand righteousness and justice, equity and every good path. Listen to verse 10 here. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul. Now, in order for that to happen, I've had to have first done the if clauses, right? And then wisdom comes to me. When wisdom enters in your heart, when you do all those things and God sends wisdom and the wisdom enters into your heart, look at this. Discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you. I put this in your outline because we hear this all the time from people. I'm sure you hear this a lot outside in the world. You hear it from people continually. I actually wrote it down in your outline. Why do we need discretion to preserve us and understanding to keep us if nothing happens to us that God doesn't allow? Well, amen. That was good. (laughs) Why do we need discretion to preserve us and understanding to keep us if nothing happens to us that God doesn't allow? Because we are living in an evil world. There is stuff going on. But he says, I'm going to give you wisdom and that wisdom will guide you right on around. Remember, Elisha was telling the king, the king of Syria is is plotting a trap for you over here. You can go this way. You can go that way. You can attack them here. You can do these things. He told him how to get out of it. And the king of Syria was getting mad. Who amongst us is telling the king of Israel what it is that we're doing? And they said, no one. It's a prophet. See, that king was receiving wisdom from the prophet. He heard from God. He gave it to him and he preserved his way. If he didn't listen to the prophet, what would have happened to the king of Israel? He would have fallen in the trap. But he didn't. When wisdom entered your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you and understanding will keep you. You won't be moved. You won't be moved. Brother, the, 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 the verse that Ethel Put up on the screen this morning, the brother Jolly was uh, teaching on a Wednesday. Paul saw, you know what? I look back on all these things and the stuff that happened to me, it furthered the gospel. It furthered the gospel. It was good. He followed in the way of wisdom. Remember when Paul was on his way and he stopped in Ephesus and the prophet came to him and said, so shall the man be who owns this belt will be bound and all the people start crying and saying, no, don't go, don't go. And he says, wait a minute. I'm not only willing to be bound for the gospel, I'm willing to die. God had told him to go. 
There's sometimes that God says, look, Paul, I need you to take one for the team. And Paul says, okay. And he went, just because he fell into bad stuff doesn't mean God didn't ask him to go there. Jesus fell into bad stuff too, didn't he? But God said, Jesus, I need you to take one for the team here. Jesus says, all right, I'll do it. I'll go to the cross. And he did. We have a whole lot of people in the Bible who uh, so-called took one for the team. And uh, they have a great reward for them up in heaven. So he goes on. Discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you. Verse 12. To deliver you from the way of evil and from the man who speaks perverse things. Now, he's talking about a man who speaks perverse things. He's also going to talk about a woman here who is immoral. There is a reason he talks about a man who speaks perverse things and a woman who is immoral. Because when men get off, they speak perversely. When women get off, they become immoral. That was funny. (laughs) That's not the reason. (laughs) Now, remember when he started off. How did he start this book off? My son. Okay? So it's going to be an immoral woman who is going to steer a son the same way it will be an immoral man who would steer a daughter. It will be a perverse man who will steer away a son the same way it would be a perverse woman who would steer away a daughter. Generally, it's someone of the same sex who takes you down a perverse way and it's someone of the opposite sex who takes you down an immoral way is what he's basically saying here. So just understand, not all women are immoral, and not all men are perverse. It's uh, context that's involved. It's, he's writing this to the son. To deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse, there's a way of evil. And God wants you to be delivered from it. But he wants to give wisdom to you. If you despise the wisdom that he's given you so far, he can't give you the wisdom that you need to avoid the perverse things, the bad things, the evil things that are coming down the way. From those uh, to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the path of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. Guys, it is other guys who will come along and start to speak to you perverse things to lead you down a dark way, to lead you down a, a way that you shouldn't shouldn't go. Women, it's going to be the same thing. Women are going to come alongside and begin to speak perverse things. They're going to. Speak in, in, in languages that appeal to your flesh and pull you off. Don't go that way. Wisdom will rise up on the inside and say, no, don't go. This isn't good stuff. This isn't going to help you. From those who leave the path of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. If they leave the path of uprightness and walk in the ways of darkness, which way are they going to take you? Certainly that way. Who rejoice in doing evil. Uh, this is far into to a lot of Christians. This is far, but there are people out there who rejoice in doing evil. Rejoice in doing evil. They are glad when they get to do evil to anyone, even especially Christians. This is this is great to them. They look forward to it. They rejoice in doing evil. We remorse it. We find, oh, I did evil. Oh, this is bad. We we can't understand people that rejoice it, but there are people out there who do that. And they'll change their face in front of you in a second because the way of foolishness is concealed. The way of wisdom is shouted from the rooftops. And delight in the perversity of the wicked whose wicked ways are crooked and who are devious in their paths. Devious. 
You've got some people in your life that are more devious than you know. You're believing the best of them. You're looking at them saying, oh, I'm believing the best of those people. I'm, I'm thinking that God can turn them around. And you don't know how devious they are. But the way of wisdom will keep you protected from them hurting you if you listen to it. If you listen to them, you're going to go their way and get their their stuff. You don't want to do that. Verse 16. To deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. This is what a seductress does. Guys, you've got to be on the lookout for this. There are women out there, whether you are married or whether you are single, there are women out there who just want to pull you down. That's their pastime. That's what they want to do. They just want to pull you down. Proverbs is all is filled with this stuff. Don't go after them. Now, if he was, if he had, a, um, he did have a daughter. If he was writing to his daughter, he would be talking about men, because men can do this as well. They just want to pull you down. From the seductress who flatters with her words. You've all seen the movies. You see the villain woman, the villain man. They come in and what do they do every time? Every time they come up to the heroine, the hero of the story, and they come in with their flattering words. The woman come in there and they bat their eyelashes and dress a certain way. I don't think it helps if men bat their eyelashes or dress a certain way. I don't, don't think it really does any good for anybody. But they know how to how to do these things, and they they know how to attract the attention. And you know, when you're watching in the movie, it's kind of it's kind of fun because you can see it. It's so clear. Oh, that's a that's a bad person right there. Oh, that's an evil person. Oh, they're just, don't don't listen to her. Don't go. And we're we're there. We're coaching from the sideline. We know he's going to go. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a movie. We know it. He's going to go. But don't do it. Don't follow. Oh, no, that's, she doesn't mean that. She's just saying, can't you hear it? We're, we're talking to him. But, you know, we'll have somebody come up to us. Really? You think that about me? Oh, wow. <laughs> we, we can't see it in ourselves. We can see it in the movies just fine. We need to be able to see it in ourselves too. To deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. There is wisdom that will come up and will deliver you from this. Protect you. Help you out. Help you to see, hey, this is wrong. Who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house leads down to death and her path to the dead. How many of those movies, the woman goes after the guy, pulls the guy into whatever scheme is going on, and the guy ends up losing everything? Right? Where do you think they got that from? They got it from real life. They got it from what happens in, 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 with people. There are people out there that do this. What interest did Delilah have in Samson? We know what interest Samson had in Delilah. He was in love with her. But we don't ever get anything from the story that Delilah was in love with Samson. She constantly tried to trap him. And he didn't see it. He'd just go back in there another time. For her house leads down to death and her past to the dead. None who go to her return. How many return? None? Except you. Right? You'd make it. If you went down that way, you'd make it back, right? We think that. How many times have we, how many times have we talked to Christians? <laughs> we're, we're there banging them. In. She's a seductress. She is trying to lure you in. Oh, she loves me. <sighs> we go away shaking our head. Fool. Fool. 
<laughs> None who go down to her return, nor do they regain the paths of life. Now, in the movies, a lot of times they make it so that the heroine, the hero, uh, ends up okay at the end and gets the good girl and not the bad girl and all that sort of stuff. But in real life, it doesn't seem to happen. So you may walk in the way of goodness and keep to the paths of righteousness, for the upright will dwell in the land, and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the earth, and the unfaithful will be uprooted from it. we got the... Uh, the man who's trying to pull you down, they got the woman who's trying to pull you down, and they will be sent in your direction. God will not spare you from them. Understand this. God will not spare you. He will not put a block up between you and, and perverted people, immoral people. He will not do it because he has put his word in you. He has put his wisdom there, and his wisdom will say, bad, bad, this is not good. For those of you who remember Lost in Space, danger, Will Robinson. Danger. That should go off on the inside. This is not, I don't know why, it's dangerous. This is bad. Get out. But we don't. Turn over your wood to 1 Kings chapter 10. 1 Kings chapter 10 verse 1. Now when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. Solomon's wisdom had been heard about and it become so famous it had come to the Queen of Sheba. She's uh, called in the New Testament the, the Queen of the South. We think she's uh, somewhere down in the area of Ethiopia, Yemen, somewhere in that neck of the woods. And she went from there up to Israel. Made that trip. Not only her, she brought her, old, her whole entourage. She brought all kinds of money. You know, they didn't just transfer money in banks then. They actually had to carry it with them. So she is bringing this money. So she heard of the fame. She can't believe this is true. But she brings a whole lot of money and stuff to give him just in case it is. She's putting all that stuff at risk. She wanted the wisdom. She wanted it so much she was willing to take time off from whatever it was she did as a queen. Got into this uh, whole caravan and they all took off. Carrying all this stuff. She's a, she got to realize I'm a target. But I'm going to go. I'm going to get this wisdom. And she pursued it. So she came to test him with hard questions. And we're not told a single one of them. Wouldn't it be nice to have just been told one question that she asked? She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue. With camels that bore spices, very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. So Solomon answered all her questions. All of them. Until she was done asking questions. She had no more questions to ask. She asked every question that she could ask. Could you imagine sitting down and just having the audience of King Solomon and whatever question you wanted to ask. Well, I don't know. Maybe he's, she's asking, is the sky, why is the sky blue? Maybe that's one of the questions that she asked. Don't really know. She asked all these questions and he was able to answer every single one. What if she asked questions like, why did the stars twinkle? Twinkle. How did I do that? Would he have been able to answer that? If she asked it, he answered it. Any question that she could ask, he answered it. Answered it well. Answered it with wisdom. So Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing so difficult for the king that he could not explain it to her. Not only answer it, but explain it. 
How many of y'all know there's a difference between answering the question and explaining the question? He answered it and he explained it. She got it all. Oh, okay. I, I, okay. All right. I got that now. Yeah, I can see that. All right. All right. Well, that's so. Then and she asked this question. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters and their apparel, his cupbearers and his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. She not only listened to what he said, she looked at all the stuff around him. She looked at the food on the table. She looked at how the servants stood, how they operated, how they looked at Solomon, how they spoke, all these kind of things. All this spoke something. Now get this one. Understand this. People in this world not only listen to the wisdom of God that we speak, they look at how we act. They look at how we behave. They look at how we carry ourselves. And when you have some nincompoops in the Christian church who are going around saying some of the things that they are, well, God just wanted your baby more. That's why he took took your baby. That is garbage. That is not telling people that we serve a wonderful God. That is not people saying, oh, you have such great wisdom. That is people saying, is this what your God is? I don't want this God. We've got to understand that when we say things about God, people believe that that's what our God is about. We need to act in that way. We need to make sure that whatever it is we do for God, we do with a degree of perfection. To do it the best that we can. Because we are doing it for God. And how we do it determines how people, what, what view people have of it. We've got to make sure of that. I've heard a couple of people in the music world. I'm not, I, I enjoy music. I'm not musically inclined. But I've heard a couple of people, Christians in the music world. One was Ken Copeland. One was uh, Keith Moore. And they're both talking about doing recordings. And they say some of the most difficult people to work with in the music field are the most educated. <laughs> because they know it all. But he says the people who really know music, I mean, they really got it down. He said they're some of the easiest people to work with at all. there is. Because they're always ready to learn. And no matter what you said to them, hey, but if we did it this way, even if they thought inside themselves that it might not work, they would simply say, let's give it a try. <laughs> That's what they, they would do with, with them. and they, They'd give it a try. And it may work and it may not. But they would approach it in such a way that this is going to fail. They, would, they wouldn't do that. They would approach it in such a way and say, let's see if we can make this work. Let's try this out. Because they were comfortable with the knowledge that they had. And they knew with what they did understand that there was so much more to grow in. So much more to do. Brother Copeland, when he first started uh, recording albums and things, he had a, um, a musician in there who was not saved, but they, he was playing one of, the, one of the instruments. And they stayed in that place trying to get the, uh, the album right, trying to get the, the, the tracks right on it. And they were in for hours. I think it was 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. And finally, this guy who was unsaved, he says, well, that's good enough for church, church music. Brother Copeland dismissed them immediately. You can go. Your service is no longer required. You just got rid of them. Because that's the wrong attitude to have. Don't have an attitude 
that it's good enough for God until it's your best. You give it your best effort. You go after it with everything you can. Always be ready to learn. We all know people in a field that we are in who feel like they know everything. We know how hard they are to work with. Don't be like that. Be ready to learn more. There's someone out there who can teach you something more. Someone out there who can help you with it. The Queen of Sheba came from all, all the way in her area, Yemen, Ethiopia, with all this entourage, just to hear the wisdom of God. Just to hear the wisdom that would come. Look at what she says in verse 6. Then she said to the king, It was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe the words until I came and saw with my own eyes. Now, she may say that she didn't believe it, but you don't make a trip here unless you believe something about it. If she completely didn't believe it, she wouldn't have gone. There was something. Is that really true? I kind of hope that's true. There, there was some, a little bit of a belief, but when she finally got there and she heard it, she said, wow, everything I heard, this is right. However, I did not believe the words until I came and saw with my own eyes, and indeed the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame of which I heard. Wow. You ever gone out to a movie that was uh, highly touted? You got out there on the first night it was out there and you came out there and said, man, who in the world said this is a good movie? Well, she got there and she said, wow, this was better than advertised. Far better. Happy are your men and happy are these your servants who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord, your God, who delighted in you, setting you on the throne of Israel. Because the Lord has loved Israel forever. Therefore, he made you king to do justice and righteousness. Then she gave the king 120 talents of gold, spices in great quantity, and precious stones. There never, never, it says, again came such abundance of spices as the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Plus all the gold. She brought this huge gift to give to him. Now later on we're going to find out that uh, an amount comes to him of about 600 and uh, verse 16. Uh, nope, that's not that one. But anyways, uh, 666 talents. There it is, verse 14. Comes to Solomon of gold. I am told that the value of that, and I'm not sure what year this was valued. It was a long time ago though. It wasn't 10 years ago, 20 years ago. It was a long time ago. And they valued it then at 20 million dollars. Now what the Queen of Sheba brought in the area of gold was a little more than one-sixth of this. So just in the gold, she brought in one-sixth of 20 million dollars. If you brought that up to today's standards, it would be even uh, higher than one-sixth of that. Plus all this, all the spices. How many of you ever put spices in your house? You know they're not cheap. Not the good ones. She don't bring, she's not bringing junk. This is a wise man. She's not bringing junk to him. She brought all this stuff for one, whatever time, however long it was. We don't really know if it was one day or whatever time it was that she was there. And she saw this as so valuable. She brought, a, she brought payment with her just in case it was this good. And she gave it all. Here it is. Gave all this stuff to him. That's how valuable she saw it. Is this a person who sought after wisdom? Is this a person who recognized wisdom when it came? 
It, it was. This is what we need to do. We need to seek after it. And when it comes to us, we need to recognize it. And we've got to do stuff with it. We've got to show God, I honor wisdom. I want wisdom. When it comes, it's going to guard me from the evil one. It's going to help me. It's going to keep my way right. Also, the ships of Haram, which brought gold from Ophir. If you ever want to have a fun little look up, take a look at uh, at Ophir. You'll find all kinds of stuff about where this thing might be, what it might have been, all that sort of stuff. Brought great, great quantities of almug wood and precious stones from Ophir. And the king made steps of almug wood from the house of the Lord. Or for the house of the Lord. And the king's house also harps and stringed instruments for singers. They never again came such almug wood. Nor has a like been seen to this day. Now King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba all she desired, whatever she asked, besides what Solomon had given her, according to the royal generosity. So she turned and went to her own country, she and her servants. And the weight of gold that came to Solomon yearly was 666 talents of gold. Now if he would have understood all the things about end times, he probably would have asked for one more talent. But, you know, he, he didn't. <laughs> 666 talents of gold came in every year just as the gold as we said that's a number of uh, a few decades ago that was valued at about 20 million dollars beside that from the traveling merchants from the income of traders from all the tr- kings of Arabia and from the governors of the country and the king Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold 600 shekels of gold went in each shield I'm told that the value of all these shields is just over, or somewhere around a million and a half, two million dollars. Just for shields. Now, if you think that's wasteful, we spend more than that on a jet. Of course, our jets will do a whole lot more than their shields did. But He also made 300 she- uh, shields of hammered gold. Three minas of gold went in each shield. The king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with pure gold. The throne had six steps, and the top of the throne was round at the back. There were armrests on each side of the place of the seat. Two lions stood beside the armrests. Twelve lions stood there, one on each side of the six steps. Nothing like this had been made for any other kingdom. All King Solomon's drinking vessels were gold. All the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were pure gold. Not one was silver. For this was accounted as nothing in the days of Solomon. For the king had merchant ships at sea with the fleet of Hiram. Once every three years, the merchant ships came bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and monkeys. Not really sure what they did with them, but they, they had them coming in. So King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. Now all the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear this wisdom which God had put in his heart. Each man brought his present Articles of silver and gold, garments, armor, spices, horses, and mules at a rate year, at a set rate year by year. So all this stuff was poured in. A lot of times they were just bringing stuff in just to hear the wisdom of God. And they would, they would bring this in and they would listen and they would bring the present. And he was just piling up stuff. They had so much silver they didn't count it as, as valuable. Gold, they had so much gold, all their, all his regular drinking stuff is made out of gold. Here's the problem though. If all your regular drinking stuff is made out of gold, what do you do when you bring somebody special over? Are you just bringing out the common stuff for me? <laughs> I don't know what you do then. But anyway, that's what they, they had done. 
So the, the Queen of Sheba, I put this in your outline for you. When she recognized the wisdom, she rejoiced, she received, and she rewarded. She rejoiced. Blessed are you. Blessed are these people who get to hear all these things. Blessed is the God who put, such, put you in charge of his people. She received the wisdom that she had. She took that with her and she rewarded it greatly. Verse 26. And Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen when he stationed in the chariot cities and when the king of Jeru- and with the king of Jerusalem and the king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones and he made cedar trees as abundant as sycamores which are in the lowland. Also Solomon had horses imported from Egypt and Kevet and the king's merchants brought them to Kevet at the current price. Now a chariot that was imported from Egypt cost 600 shekels of silver and a horse 150 and thus through these their agents they exported them to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria. Now here's an interesting note over in Deuteronomy chapter 17. Remember what is wisdom? Wisdom is hearing the words of God and doing the words of God. Verse 14. When you come to the land which you, the Lord your God has given you and possess it and dwell in it and say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me and you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. One from among your brethren you shall set as king over you. You may not set a foreign foreigner over you who is not your brother. So you're know, just like in this country. The president is supposed to be a citizen, and that time there's, uh, they're not supposed to be a foreigner. But he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. What did Solomon do? He returned to Egypt to get horses, and they were multiplying horses to themselves. Is that wisdom? It's funny how in this chapter where all these people are expounding the great wisdom of Solomon, it ends in such a way that he did not listen to the word of God. What was his spirit doing on the inside when he was doing this? Probably going off and saying, hey, this is the wrong direction. God says don't do it. But everyone else has horses. Everyone else has chariots. Well, God says you don't have to be like everyone else. But they did But he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. That's it. Don't return that way. Don't go. Neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. So did he multiply wives? Yeah, he multiplied wives. He had a lot. He had a lot. And he multiplied them. You actively have to go out and you have to have a wife and go out and actively pursue another wife. And then after having those two wives, you go out and actively pursue, pursue another wife. And th- you have to do that. You have to multiply it. Now, what God wanted to do was to multiply the silver and gold for him and uh, have people bring it to him. But he actively went out to multiply it himself. And he says, don't do this. Don't go in this direction because your heart is going to return. Did his heart get turned? Yes, it did. What kind of woman turned his heart? Perverse, immoral women turned his heart because they were idolaters and they got him to worship idols and brought Israel into idolatry. 
The wisdom on the inside of him should have been guarding him against that. And it was, but he didn't listen. Also it shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom and he shall write for himself a copy of this, this law in the book, in a book from the one before the priests and Levites, and it shall be with him. And he shall read it all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God and be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes. So if the king is supposed to do this, have a copy of the law with him and read it at all times. If the king is supposed to do this, what do you think you ought to do? <laughs> How many of you all have a copy of the word? Yeah, we sure do. What should, you, what should you do with your copy of the word? Read it. How many of you are reading your chapter a day? Keep going. Don't give up. Don't. If you fall behind, catch up. It is worth it. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may not... That he may learn to fear the Lord, his God, and be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes. That his heart may not be lifted above his brethren. That he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left. And that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. I summarize it this way. Beware of multiplying wars, women, and wealth. That's what it basically was telling the king. Beware of multiplying wars, women, and wealth. It doesn't say don't go to war. But when you're multiplying horses and chariots, don't, don't, don't be multiplying wars. Wars will come to you. When they come to you, God will say, we'll, we'll take care of it. Don't be multiplying the wives. Don't be multiplying the wealth. Let the wealth multiply. Let me bring it in there. And God did. God sent the queen to Sheba, and she brought it in. He doesn't do nothing for it. People came in just to hear that wisdom. I put this in your in the end for you. Receive what is sent. God is going to send you wisdom, but you must receive it. Absalom was had the wisest thing to do to preserve his kingdom, and he rejected it. Rehoboam had spoken the wisdom of God through the men who served his father. Do this, and the people will serve you forever. And he rejected it. The wisdom of God is going to come to you. You must receive it. You got to recognize it. You got to receive it. Receive what is sent. <clears throat> pursue what we are told to. Don't pursue whatever you want. Pursue what we're told to. Solomon got into a place. He began to pursue what he wanted to. The horses, the wives. Don't do that. Pursue what God says. What does the word of God tell us in the New Testament to do? Seek ye first the what? And then what happens to all the other stuff? We're too often seeking after all the other stuff. Forgetting the kingdom of God. Believe the word of God. That's wisdom that is speaking to you. Seek after the, wisdom, the, the, the kingdom of God. The other things will happen. Receive what is sent. Pursue what we are told to. And let the rest come to you. Go after what God says to go after. Don't go after what he says not to go after. And those things that you need will come to your way. They'll come your way. God will help you. The wisdom of God is there for you. A lot of times, folks, we already have the wisdom of God on the inside of us. We're just not listening to it. We're rejecting it because it's not appealing. It's not, uh, you know, the cost is too high. It doesn't really appeal to my flesh the way I would like it to. I don't think I'll be seen as a strong person this way or 
victorious or all these other things. We're, we're missing the appeal. We don't necessarily like that. There's pressure. Feeling pressure to do it this way. Receive what is sent. God is going to send you wisdom. But you need to listen. You need to yield to it. And if you yield to the wisdom that he sends you, then you do it. Then you are showing yourself as a person who respects the wisdom of God. You're showing yourself, I'm not a pig with pearls. I know how to treat pearls. Go ahead and send me some more. And God will send you some more wisdom. What is wisdom often referred to as? Pearls of wisdom. Hmm. Don't catch your pearls before swine. God is not going to put wisdom in front of people who cannot understand it. He's going to sit there and say, you've done this yourself. How many times have you heard a person talking about a situation and you say, I know if I open my mouth, you're not going to get it. So you just sit there and you be quiet. And you don't say anything because you know, if I open my mouth, you're not going to get it. You know from pre- previous conversations, you know things they've said before. I saw something that was put up by uh, Zig Ziglar. I put it up on my Facebook page if any of you saw it that was, it was out there. How is it that the most closed-minded people always have their mouths open? <laughs> it just seems to be that way, isn't it? The most closed-minded people seem to always have their mouths mo- open. Yeah. Wise people know they don't always talk. And not everything that you say will be heard. Sometimes we need to just back off on it a little bit. And God is doing the same thing. He says, show me that you can handle this. Show me that this is something that you can do something with. And I've got plenty. I've got a storehouse of wisdom up here. He's got a storehouse. It's not doing him any good. He doesn't need it. He wants to give it to you. He wants to send it your way. Do you have a situation in your life you need the wisdom of God on? God wants to send it. If I don't have it, it's probably because I haven't recognized it or I have not put myself in a place where he can reveal it to me. I'm still showing myself as a pig with pearls. And we've all been pigs with pearls. Every single one of us. At some point, we have been pigs with pearls. We have taken something very valuable and we have treated it very very roughly, very poorly. Don't be a pig with a pearl. Learn how to respect those pearls. Learn how to take care of those pearls. And God will send more pearls your way. Pearls of wisdom. And it will guard you. It will keep you. It will take you in the path of prosperity. Whatever it is that you're doing to make money, if God gives you wisdom on it, will you not make more? Surely will. Whatever you're doing to save money, if God gives you wisdom on it, will you save more? (laughs) Surely will. Wisdom is the thing that we need. Recognize it. So many stories in the Word of God have to do with wisdom and people either recognizing it or not recognizing it. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, we thank you for wisdom. It is all around us. You have storehouses of it up into heaven. You are waiting to send it down here to us. We need to get ourselves ready. We want to be able to receive it. We want to be able to recognize it. We want to use it. We want to put it to to work. That it will have its effect on us. That it will guard our way. It will keep us in the right path. It will preserve us. We thank you for the help that that you send us. Father, every situation that is here that people are in, You desire to speak to them. While we're praying here, 
with every head bowed. If you have a situation that's going on that is perplexing you and you need the wisdom of God, just raise your hand up right now. Raise your hand up. God, I just need wisdom on these particular things. And, and God will help you. Father, we thank you for the people that are asking for wisdom. They're calling out for you. And your wisdom does not have to be secretive. Your wisdom is outright. Father, I thank you that these folks can, can hear. They're putting themselves in a place to not be pigs with pearls, but to treat the pearls with the reverence that they deserve. Thank you for the help that you give us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Glory to God. We got some uh, praise reports here this, this, this morning, I'm sure. We wanted to hear what it is that God has been doing. Oh, I see people got them all over the place here. We're handing them on in. This is great. Good to see. Anyone else? If you, had, if you didn't write yours out and, and just remembered, go ahead and you have time. We're going to read these off. You have time to write, write something out for yourself and bring it on up here. This praise report comes from Jolly. It says, praise God, he got recognition <clears throat> Excuse me, last week for 15 years in federal service. <laughs> hmm. Uh-oh, sounds like retiring coming soon. <laughs> praise God, 15 years. That's awesome. Um, Naz says, on his recent trip to Trinidad, God's favor worked for him. On certain checkpoints, he was allowed to go through freely with little or no delay. That is awesome. <laughs> said, I visited my dad's church, oh, my old church, and had a wonderful time. I also learned that our pastor from this church, um, who had fallen away from church and God, returned back to the Lord. Mm. Praise the Lord for that. Now, the gifts and calling we know are not without repentance. Sharon said, I received an anonymous gift card from someone. Sounds like blessings are coming to you <laughs> everywhere you go. Um, Vanessa says, God worked out a situation on her job and averted a very expensive disaster. Thank you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. No, that's the government. Ray said that God's presence is evident at the hospital. He said at least twice this week, um, staffing difficulties were resolved before he even had a chance to intervene. So I like that one. Um, This one came from Phyllis. She said she was able to give a customer behind her a big coupon for her groceries. The customer was surprised and very glad. Um, How many of you know, sometimes that might sound a little simple to us, but you don't know what they're going through. You don't know what their financial situation and. That's, a, that's an awesome thing. She said, also, yesterday, she and Bruce celebrated 27 years of marriage. Um, this was from Ethel. She said she's thankful for the opportunity that's being given to her to impart the knowledge that God has given to her to a lot of the engineers on her job. Um, he's enlarging her territory during the time before she leaves FedEx. And she and I actually had an opportunity to talk about that yesterday. That was one of those aha moments for mm-hmm. her. You know, she's been on this job, and she kept wanting to, to uh, train the engineers and to, to, to teach others and uh, she didn't realize it until the lord she said actually she was sitting here and listening to jolly on wednesday night and the holy spirit said oh, remember when you were asking to teach well that's what you're doing now so that's that's really awesome um anybody else or anything 